Welcome to None of My Friends Like Comics. This is a podcast where a comic book enthusiast talks to a friend about a piece of work in the medium, and we break it down to see if that friend, the first-time reader, will pull it or drop it. I'm your host, Nick Poffenbarger, and my co-host today is none other than Marty from Panel to Panel. How's it going there, Marty? What's going on? Happy to be here. Yeah, glad to have you, man. Yeah, certainly happy to have you on. Uh, right up top, why don't you tell us a bit about Panel to Panel? Yeah, sure. So Panel to Panel podcast is about kind of three comic book friends, myself, Bash, and Ali, and and we uh, talk about books and other things, um, and all things comics. We have folks that are on um, creatives. We've had uh, uh, Deegan Picaris on recently, uh, who's an artist for Radiant Black and Supermassive. That was a good time. And we talk about you know Kickstarters and other things as well. It's always it's always fun to get a fresh uh, fresh perspective or a perspective from the creative lens. <clears throat> um, and then my my bag with the comic uh, podcast is you know really from a new reader perspective. So. I end up asking all the stupid questions that people are always thinking about and want to want to learn more about, but are too afraid to ask. And so I, I figured, what the hell? I'll, I'll be that idiot that that asks those questions. And Bash and Ali, you know, kind of talk through them with me, and we we learn a lot, and I, and I, you know, learn a lot, and hopefully, it, you know, a lot of people get different perspectives and takes on it. Yeah, well, that's perfect for this show. We ask a lot of stupid questions, so that's okay. And like, <laughs> but yeah, man. Oh, well, yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah, I, I can't recommend the show enough, actually. I, I It's sort of, to me, it's got kind of like a uh, variety hour feel, and it always gets like a, a good... A good variation of perspectives to me, I, I uh, which is great, especially in this era of comic books where there's like so much to dissect. Like I, I really love listening to you three guys, like just kind of the repertoire going back and forth. And it's really funny, actually, too, because like I think um, one of the first episodes I like listened to of you guys was the one where you broke down the uh, one bad day, Tom King and uh, Mitch Jared's Riddler story. And oh, uh, yeah. And when uh, <laughs> when you guys were going into it, it was funny because like I think I think it was Bash who like went into his thoughts kind of first and then Ali and then you and every single one I was like I was like that's kind of how I think about it you know like I was like yeah yeah you know and like and it was it wasn't even just like that they had the same opinions or that you guys had the same opinions as me but it was like oh like the way that like you guys approach it I was like that's that's kind of how I think about books too you know so it was like I was like it's like it's like listening to friends yeah so. yeah yeah. yeah. And I mean, the biggest the biggest thing that we try to do is just to keep things super positive, because, you know, the, if you get on comic book Twitter, holy fuck, is it negative at a lot of times. It, and like just the certainly. fan base of people arguing back and forth. It's just like, why can't we just all be friends and talk about some good stuff? I mean, there's, you know, there's stuff that's bad and and difficult, but like why the why all the negativity? So that's one of the big things that we try to, you know, become a part of, like listening to you guys and, and be, you know, just being kind of comic book friends or podcast friends or whatever you want to call it just you know having positive vibes all around because there's a lot of negativity in in social media in general so that's one of the things that we're you know we're trying to instill in in the stuff that we do as well yeah exactly like i i have like a kind of a stern rule like on here i mean obviously there have been books that like you know we've done on here where like it turns out i'm like eh, i'm not too hot on this like you know or, or or not it's not as good as i remember or something like that but i always try to like give an even opinion you know and it's like not just point out like oh it's shit because it's shit or whatever you know or it's you know you have to you have to you know be able to see it as like a whole piece of work and not just like blanket statement things you know so especially when something like comics where it's like there's so much that goes into it it's like you know you can't dismiss everything you know <laughs> so it's like, but yeah. yeah well awesome marty well uh we do have a tradition on this show if it's your first time here and um uh, i want to know what your experience uh with comics uh leading up to now is uh, how did it start for you at least yeah, sure. So that's actually a really good question. And considering I'm 
really new to this. Um, it kind of started back when Invincible dropped their first couple of uh, shows oh. on Prime. And so I watched those thing, watched those three shows and I was like, man, this is fucking awesome. And I was in podcasting, you know, I was into podcast listening at the time because I had a long commute and I had a backlog of a ton of them going. I was always looking for new ones. I was like, there's got to be something on Invincible. So I found Invincible Podcast, yeah. which I highly recommend. They're a great group of guys that, uh, you know, are super positive on Twitter. They do the, um, uh, and they do the Chromacast too now, don't Chromacast they? Chromacast yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, yep. And they did in, in the Oblivion Songcast as well, which I highly recommend all of them. Um, and I found them and then I realized there was a comic and I immediately bought the compendiums digitally. Because I didn't want my wife yelling at me for taking up too much space on on shelves and they're, this that and the other thing. They're big books. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, I immediately fell in love with it, and it was crazy. Uh, you know, I heard I ended up listening to one of their episodes where Kyle Higgins was on. He was talking about Radiant Black, and then it just kind of fell in a place where I ended up interacting with the Radiant Black podcast uh, for guys, and we. You know, they we were throwing around the idea of a Discord, and I was, you know, I program for a living, so I was like, hey, you know, I've done this before. If you guys want help, and they said, yeah, sure. So like, I kind of I've been moderating for them since the get go ever since, and you know, the creative team is in there, which is fucking amazing. Like Kyle and and Ryan Parrot and Michael Basuda, like like all like they're all in there talking and answering questions, you know, sporadically, which is really really cool. That's right. Uh, to be a part of, yeah. There's it's massive. I think there's like 600 people. Uh, now that that's in that discord which is pretty pretty incredible um highly recommend checking that out i can definitely send you the, the link to that so you can throw it in the show notes but oh, of course you know from there yeah like bash and i and, and ali and the other mods started talking and i was like well i'm really new to this like i don't know where to start and that's the biggest thing like i tried to get back into comics when i was in high school when all the comic book movies came out um not that i'm dating myself but like the original spider-man movies and you know that was kind of yeah, like my, yeah. my high school my high school years or whatever and none of my friends read and I didn't know where to start. And I was like, well, this sucks. I had nobody to talk to. And then, you know, with the Radiant Black podcast, uh, the Discord server, I ended up finding a bunch of people to talk about it. And they were, you know, gave me a lot of advice. And I kind of started to fall in love with it. And then kind of we picked, you know, we threw around the idea of a podcast with me being the new reader. And kind of here we are. And and it's been an awesome journey. Like this last year, I read 1100 books. Like this year, I'm gonna try to read 1500 books. So like, I'm I'm in it full bore. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, man. Pulling, pu- pulling, pulling weekly books and, and you know, having Comixology Unlimited, you know, Marvel Unlimited and, and DC Ultra, like all those things definitely helps because I'm trying to just build up my base knowledge on all these characters because I look at Twitter and everyone's like, oh, this and this and this. And I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and that's the hardest part, like trying to figure out where to where to get into it because some mm-hmm. of the runs are long. Some of the stuff is so interconnected. Like DC has has a ton of different events. And, you know, I, I have I want to I want to read Lazarus, you know, the Lazarus pit uh, planet yeah. event, but I got to read. I got to read the the two events prior and, you know, I, I've watched a lot of comic book shows, but it's completely different. So, yeah. you know, just finding that niche to get into and where to get into it, which is good. And like prime example, you know, we're going to talk about Superman. I haven't I've read zero Superman comics before this one. <laughs> I was, so, but, yeah. but here's the thing. Like I, I grew up watching, you know, the Christopher Reed Superman. I watched, you know, some like Lois and Clark Superman show back when I was a kid and, you know, not not the new one, but the you know the old old yeah, one. Yeah, the yeah with uh, yeah Dean Cain. And yeah, it was on like yeah. So so like I have base knowledge, so it's really going to be uh, you know probably be interesting. Some of the some of the comments that come up 
yeah. about this one that I was trying to draw parallels to. But uh, but yeah, it's it's been a hell of a lot of fun and just being able to interact, you know, people with positive to, you know, positive vibes has been has been huge. You just got to find that community, which is always the hardest part. Yeah, it definitely it can be for sure. I mean, like, I feel like there's a lot of people fostering that now. And I love too how um, uh, you were mentioning how when you grew up, at least like you couldn't really figure out like where to go to like a comic book store, or, like had anybody who really read them and whatnot. I feel like the generation before us has like the direct opposite where it's like there were so many comic book stores, like the most there's ever been like in the country. And like yeah. they were so big and like, you know, it's the 90s. So it's like blowing up and whatnot and everything. And like, but then I, I like barely missed that. <laughs> and then most of us, it's like right after high school is when like we figure out like how to figure things out. And we're like, oh, yeah, OK, so so now I can go to a comic book store and figure it out. And now we're playing all playing eternal catch up. But yeah, that's perfectly yeah. fine. You know, I mean, like and I will say it, that feeling never goes away where you see people posting about something you haven't read before and going like, damn, I need to read that. <laughs> but, but again, nothing wrong with that. You know, I mean, like I that's how I find yeah. good stuff, at least like and how I keep myself entertained and keep going, you know. So but, but yeah, I'm like, it, I, I was just going to say like one other thing that I'm trying to do because my daughter had had problems reading. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I started getting into comics, I was like, hey, let's let's pick out a, let's pick out a book and, and let's pick out a superhero and, and I'll buy you a comic. And we read it together. She picked out Squirrel Girl. Yeah, and yeah that's perfect. Squirrel Girl. Yeah, she freaking loves it. Squirrel Girl is a lot of fun. Um, and like now me and her read every night. So like she'll pick out books and, and you know, based off of stuff she sees at the back of other books, like Moon Girl is one of the big ones we love to read. Um, and, and I'll post about like stuff like that, too. So like trying to trying to instill that in like my kids, which is which is great, which is something that I wasn't able to do. It's been just a lot of fun. It's like something I look forward to at night. No, yeah, I, I can relate on that level in the fact that like, you know, I got my son, he, he's 10 now, but like, you know, a couple years back, got him to read Bone and, uh, you know, yep. he, he really enjoyed that. And, um, you know, he went through like a, fa- it was really funny, actually. He went through a phase for a while where um, when he started reading like chapter books where he was, I'd be like, I'd be like, oh, you, you want to read this comic or whatever? He'd be like, dad, I read real books, you know, like and all this. Shit. Oh. <laughs> and, I'm like, and I'm like, dude, geez, <laughs> coming at me hard. But no, but then I caught him like, you know, just like last month with like a Spider-Ham comic. So I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah, you read real books. Okay. You know? yeah, how's that real book treat you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's just trying to be mature, you know, but, <laughs> but yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it's a, like you had mentioned, man, today we are talking about, uh, Kind of a big book for me. And you know what's really funny is like I know it's not this uh time frame right now, but when this episode's coming out, it's gonna come out right after a other Mark Miller book that I did with my friend David. And we talked about a Mark Miller book, um, and I went into my feelings pretty hard on it. And I know you haven't heard that episode yet, but um uh we'll we'll nope. get into it a little bit here as well. But uh yeah, so we are talking about um Superman Red Sun today. Uh it's an Elseworld story from DC Comics, it's written by Mark Miller art by uh killian plunkett and dave johnson uh with some i just have to say up top uh, great covers by dave johnson those covers are awesome they're like russian propaganda posters and it's really cool uh but uh, crazy yeah uh, inked by walden wong and andrew robinson and colored by paul mounts uh, and lettered by ken lopez um so this three-issue miniseries premiered in April of 2003, and it wrapped up in August of the same year. Uh, and for a non-spoiler description of this story, I have to point back, basically, to our episode that we did on Gotham by Gaslight, where I made a joke about how every Superman Elseworld story is, what if he landed somewhere else? This is one of those. 
<laughs> I mean, uh, it's, it, you know, designated this this Earth is Earth 30 in the DC multiverse. And uh, this is the one where he lands in the Ukraine instead of Kansas. Um, and the tagline for this book pretty much says it's all. Uh, it's uh, the, the great American icon reimagined as a Soviet hero. And that's that's pretty much it. So now, Marty, I know that you had just said that um, you'd never read a Superman book before. I apologize for this yep. being your first one, um, because I. <laughs> no, but but uh, no, I don't apologize. But but it's like I uh, I don't know if it's the first one I would recommend. But I thought about that because I be, before the show I was like I was like what if this is I've heard him say that he hasn't really read Superman before, and I was like what if this is his first Superman book? And I I started to think like oh maybe I should tell him to read something else beforehand or something. But then I started to think about it, and I was like this was pretty close to my su- first Superman book too. I had read like I think that the Alan Moore stories, the whatever happened to the man of tomorrow. And I had read like for the man who has everything. And I think I had read all star Superman. But then I read this pretty shortly after. So it wasn't that far along my <laughs> way in Superman. So I was like, it's not a bad one. But um, what were your expectations going into the book? So I didn't realize it was an Elseworlds story until I read the first page. I was like, oh, fuck, I'm in for a treat. Yeah, it's, a, <laughs> it's not a traditional superhero book. Um, but yeah, I was like, uh, I didn't know what to expect. Um, I mean, I grew up watching a lot of the Superman shows, movies, old school Christopher Reeve stuff. So like, you know, I, I had the general sense of like what Superman was supposed to be, it, it, you know, his ideals, like who the bad guys were, like Lex Luthor and stuff like that. The mythology, so, basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In the origin story. And and, and I was I was cute. I was like, all right, well, this is going to be cool. I want to see how this is going to relate to what they're going to try to pull behind the scenes. You know, I haven't read a lot of Elseworlds stuff. Um, I, I read like Batman Who Laughs, which was pretty good. That that was a pretty dark book, which was crazy um but other than that i've been trying to stick to the traditional stuff so Mm -hmm. this was kind of really i don't know like my second maybe third take on on some you know alternate stories which you know i always enjoy but it's it's cool to see different takes and we'll definitely get into it because like i i had predictions along the way that i thought was going to happen and and some some did some didn't yeah and and cool to get it get into get into a little bit of that too yeah yeah man yeah i mean for me um you know, pretty much like most of uh, my experience with anything written by Mark Miller before 2012, I read this early, like in my comics reading career. He was one of the first writers I really attached myself to and would like just pick up based on his name. And uh, like I said, pretty sure this was like the third Superman story I ever read. And uh, I really dug it back then, um, you know, read it probably like, you know, geez, it's 2023 now. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably like 13 years ago. <laughs> and uh, I remember like what I remember off the bat before rereading it for this, because I never actually reread it. I remember really loving the ending. Uh, it stuck with me kind of the entire time. And uh, I said this on our previous episode about Miller. But um, up until recently, I've been kind of nervous to go back and read some of his stuff. But I'm definitely glad I did on this one. Just to, just out of curiosity, too. I know this is an extra question, but like, uh, did you have any experience with Mark Miller before this? Like, have you read any Mark Miller books? Uh, that's a good question. Yeah. Uh, what the hell did he write? So he, I guess like the stuff he's most famous for was probably like, you know, the Ultimates. Um, he did some Ultimate Universe stuff for Marvel. Uh, pretty significant. Um, he did Civil War, if you've read Civil I War. I that. No. Nope, Old, Old Man Logan. Yet. Oh, oh, here you go. Nightclub number one. Mark, same guy, right? Mark yeah. Millar. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I'm reading. So, so nightclub one is, I think I uh, just, I just looked them up real quick. Cause I had to, you, you're throwing me for a loop here. No, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to throw you under <laughs> no, the bus there. I, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I definitely read that. And I think that's, that's all I've read. And, and you know, what's crazy is like, I posted about this. So I'm, um, I'm, I'm on both Twitter and I'm on Mastodon, but I posted, I posted, you know, about that book on Mastodon and, and some people are like, Oh, I fucking hate Mark. You know, I, I don't like him. And, and some people are like, but I respect that you, re-. I was like, Oh, you know, like, I, I don't know. I'm a new guy. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, that's but it. like some people either love them or they hate them because mm-hmm. I had some, I had some mixed reactions on that, which is crazy because, you know, for, for this, I, I enjoyed the writing overall. I thought it, I thought it was, was paced decently, but there's some stuff that I really would have liked to have because it time jumps a lot and it doesn't really get into, and we may be jumping ahead a little bit, but it doesn't really get into like what Superman actually was doing. And it was more (laughs) focused on like the battle between him and Luther and then just them just wanting to, you know, best each other in certain aspects. And, Uh and I, I like, it didn't have the, the piece that I was looking for, or at least a little bit of it, like what the hell did suit, you know, a time jump two years, what the hell did Superman do when he took over? And we're, we're mm-hmm. definitely getting ahead of it until like, no, that's okay. You know, yeah. Going from book one to book two. But, but that was one thing that I found that this book, in my opinion, was missing that I would have liked to at least better understand. So I get a sense of like, were people happy with them or not happy with them? Because, you know, Superman, generally people are happy with you. And we really didn't get that. It, it was more focused on him and the people around him as opposed to like how he affected uh you know the everybody like his country and other countries around him you kind of got it but not a lot of details yeah and and in regards to like not even just the way that he writes but like with miller this is kind of like his his uh his peak era in terms of like when he was getting super popular, you know, and like, um, and then obviously post civil war and post old man Logan and stuff like that. It's like, he was household name after that. And, uh, I'd argue he was before, but, but like, you know, he's one of those guys. And it's kind of one of those reasons I've been afraid to look back on some of his stuff. And I currently have been at least. And, um, uh, I'll probably discuss that on like some future episodes as well. But, um, it was, it made me nervous to go back and look at some of his stuff just because of the fact that like, it's kind of like your embarrassing angsty teen years <laughs> kind of coming like, you know, it's, it, and you're like, you're like, oh, like, you know, and, and, and now you read like some of his modern stuff and it's kind of more tame. And like, um, I went through like a, a trek on that last episode we did where I was like, oh, I'm going to read a bunch of new stuff and get caught up with what he's doing. And I was like, oh, he's kind of, he's kind of matured a bit, you know, and like, <laughs> I kind of like it, you know, like, uh, but, but yeah, it's, um, he's, he's definitely like kind of, uh, people have strong feelings on Mark Miller and really like for nothing that he has done, it's just like his work, you know, I mean like it, and it's just like, it's an interesting body to examine, but yeah, we'll get into that as we go into this story as well. Cause this is a peculiar time for him as well. But, um, yeah, we can just go ahead and jump on in the story section now. Um, this is where we recap the story in full detail to give context for our discussion. That means full spoilers ahead. So you've been warned. So yeah, this story starts off. We're in Metropolis. It's the 1950s. And uh, we get some narration that is uh, reflecting on the events uh, like they were in the past. And uh, this is the day that the world changed forever. And we see Perry White, the editor of the Daily Planet, calls up Lois Lane, who's awoken next to her husband, Lex Luthor, because it's already... Lois Luthor. Yep, Lois Luthor. Yeah, (laughs) it's already topsy-turvy, page one, you know. And uh, Perry tells uh, Lois to wake up as the president is going to address the nation soon. And uh, there's a story to be told. And President Eisenhower 
as later shown on a TV, telling the country that the Soviet Union released pictures today of an alien Superman committed to communist ideals. And uh, he urges the public not to panic as they begin to navigate kind of this new normal and figure out what to do. A little bit of time passes after that. We see like, you know, the propaganda like being spread about Superman and, you know, people are starting to you know, getting word about like his various abilities and stuff. Like um, we see like Perry and Lois talking about like, oh, he has what what is even super breath? I don't understand, you know, or whatever. And <laughs> it's like Eisenhower, you know, after all this propaganda gets released by, you know, the Russian government, he calls for Lex Luthor, who in this uh, reality is a star lab scientist who's like, you know, super, you know, Lex Luthor, he's super smart, whatever. <laughs> and he wants, wants him to figure out some kind of deterrent. And uh, we see Lex in a lab. And his government liaison is Agent James Olson, because, you know, Jimmy Olson's got to be in the story. And uh, he's a he's a he's a government agent in this one. And they, they I, I will say they have kind of a fun little repertoire between the two of them. Before, before on the previous page, before we get to that, because yeah. I actually really love this part where he's he's literally having a coffee break and he's listening to a tape playing against seven fucking people <laughs> in chess and. And and then and then like board seven or whatever it was was like you almost had me I almost mi- I almost turned two pages like in the middle of a coffee break he's doing like twelve different things at once and and I love how like they play on this bit throughout the entire uh entire run of this thing like with yes. different aspects and it, it's just it's just wicked it's just wicked fun yeah he's um, he's constantly playing chess I'll, I'll just say right up top Miller writes a a really good Lex Luthor. <laughs> I really yeah, like his. Looks. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> like he's he's really good. He's he gets that character very well. But yeah, like and like him and him and Jimmy Olsen are are kind of a fun pair. Like you know, because uh, J- basically their repertoire is is you know James is working for the president and he's like, you better figure this out, Lex, or it's my head. And Luther is you know as braggadocious as he ever is in any universe. And uh, <laughs> like, but yeah, so I'm tinkering. I'm yeah. tinkering with twelve different things and and uh, you know he's got like. T- me puzzle games on the ground as he's like figuring things out subconsciously in his brain and yeah it's just it just it continues on with the bit and and then it like even goes into his wife and this i I freaking love the interactions with luther and lois lane like it's ridiculous it is yeah it's it's like it's like I can't confusing. believe she puts up with his shit. It's confusing by the end. Yeah, you're like you're like what? Yeah. Like I, I understand, but yeah, like it, it's yeah, it's it. Lex is such a uh, like just it turned up to eleven in this book, and and I kind of but I kind of just love it. Like it it works, you know, and it gets the point across really fast when we only have you know. I mean, granted they're like double sized issues, but it's like you know we only have three issues, so it's like yeah, this is Lex Luthor. He's fucking real smart, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, uh, but. But yeah, so, you know, Lex basically like, you know, gets to work. Uh, he's convinced, you know, he'll figure out an answer to this problem. And uh, we also see him kind of uh, well, not kind of he he pushes Lois away. Like once Superman becomes a thing, it's really interesting, actually, because we only get like that page of them together in bed. But they they seem to be like relatively happy, you know, like it's like they, <laughs> they seem to like each other. And, you know, like it, it's it's fine, you know, but then like Superman comes in and it's like that's that's his interest. And he's he's basically like, I don't have time for like you or marriage or, or life right now. Like I have to do this. This is more important and it's more fascinating to me. And uh, meanwhile, you know, Superman just going around, he's making his presence known, stopping disasters like within the Soviet Union. But one day, all of a sudden, the Russian satellite Sputnik 2 starts to crash. And where is it headed? Metropolis. So Superman 
Yeah, Superman, you know, fully believing in, like, you know, his communist ideals, he's he flies over and grabs the crashing facility. Uh, it does minimal damage. Um, it only knocks down the Daily Planet globe, like, on top of the building, which Superman catches in a really cool panel. Uh, I, re- I really love that panel. He's he's holding up the globe and handing a kid his balloon that flew away, like, on the street. And uh, it has, like, a real uh, iconic feel to it. Oh, you know what? This is where it confused me a little bit, because right when he was, like, he, he was he was you know, going after the Sputnik satellite. And, and he even says that I'm going to try to like basically do this in the most exciting way possible. Yeah. And yet here I am thinking, well, what the fuck? Like Superman doesn't think like that. Yeah. And, and this is where like the whole Elseworlds comes in. And it's like, uh, okay, he, you know, he analyzed like four different scenarios on how he can, how he can like uh, save this natural disaster. He's like, I'm going to pick the most exciting one. And then, and then all of a sudden, you know, where you were saying, where it gets into like that iconic panel where he's like holding up the world with one hand and giving the guy, the kid balloon with the other. It's like, well, is, is Superman really going to be good? Cause it looks like he's trying to help people. Yeah. And, and this is where like, I was like, well, what's going to happen here? I mean, he's got that, that, uh, you know, the, the Russian, um, symbol on his chest. And is he mm-hmm. gonna, is he gonna still be a communist or, or is he gonna, you know, turn around and be like a super, you know, true superhero? And is that the story that we're going to get? And this is where like my kind of predictions were going wild a little bit with, uh-huh. with you know, trying to figure out where this book was going to go and, and how things were going to play out. And, and that's kind of what my, my first thought was ba- based off of, off of that, you know, yeah. going from, Oh, well, I don't know any better because I am with the Russians, so I'm going to do this in the most exciting way possible. But I'm going to save these people because I feel like that's what should be done. Yeah, it's it's interesting. He's the I feel like he's the most interesting in this first issue simply because he truly like believes in the idea. Like, you know, the positive, optimistic version of like communism, which like at its core, I don't think anybody could disagree that like the intentions are good. You know, <laughs> like it's like the the intentions are are sound. You know, it makes sense why someone would come up with that or want to follow it. But like he's also thinking, like you know, with the satellite thing, he's like, I want to make some noise so that these people who are against us, like, see that you know our way works type of thing. Like he's still thinking with like a political mindset kind of in hand here. So that's that's wholeheartedly yeah. a little different than the Superman that we know, obviously. But it's it's always just like present there in the back of his head, but you know, fighting with him. And uh, I wanted to ask you as well too, because um this is kind of like the first really good shot in the book that we get of his suit. What do you think of the the suit design? I think it's pretty cool. It's I, pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> it looks it, cool. It's pretty it's pretty <laughs> legit. I, I would say in general, right? The art, just talking about the art in this book and, yeah. and the way that it's colored and and you know, it really jives to that like old school nineteen, you know, fifties, sixties ish era, which it's you know, where it's supposed to be in. And and I got that right from the get go. Like I really liked even the colors around how they cut to the TV and with the president and you know, just that old school propaganda with like Superman in the front with, with uh, the planes and stuff like and that. Stalin and shit. Like, yeah. It's super like, cool. It's, it's super cool. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's like, and uh, it, it's also here in this scene where um uh, he sees Lois for the first time. She's like outside. Cause you know, she works there and uh, they don't really say anything, but there's like clearly some feelings at least on Superman's end. Uh, but he sees like, you know, the ring on her finger and a picture of Lex yep, the in rock. her pocket. Yep. <laughs> and so he, fi- <laughs> he fixes the globe and fucks off basically. And uh, <laughs> we cut to Luther who's basically like 
Mwahaha, this was my plan. Get that satellite so I can get his DNA off of it. And you're like, oh, okay. So he planned the whole thing. And and like, so back in... Mathematics. Yeah, exactly. And uh, <laughs> back in uh, Moscow, uh, the Soviet government is like throwing a big old Superman appreciation day, which uh, makes Superman super uncomfortable. And uh, it's here that I think we, we do get like key characteristic of this version of Superman. Like, like I was saying, he really believes in like the good and optimistic qualities of communism. And it almost kind of, he kind of reminds me of like a, a less extreme and less shitty Nazi version of uh, Captain America during the Nick Spencer run, which I, I, I don't know if you've read Marty, but like uh, that's the, the era from like, you know, six, seven years ago when Captain America was a Hydra agent. And uh, yeah, and like one of the most fascinating things about that run was the fact that, you know, obviously it's like a it's like a time, you know, or just a reality warping kind of fuckery with his mind. <laughs> and like uh, and but it's but it's great because like Steve Rogers, like it still has like the moral ground that he has. Like so it's like he wholeheartedly believes in it, like more than anyone, you know, like and it's like it's like he has that same quality, but just for the exact wrong reasons. <laughs> and like and this is kind of like what Superman reminds me of in this story where it's like, oh, like, you know, but this is obviously less further of a stretch. I mean, like I could see, you know, someone growing up there believing in the ideals of this like pretty easily. And uh, and he believes in it for the seemingly the right reasons in this in this first issue. I would I would say, too, like what, what's what's really crazy is that like th- this whole this whole scene is, is very Nazi, like you were saying. But like he he kind of doesn't give two fucks about the the bad part of communism and he's really it, it feels like he's only in it to help people yeah and like he he doesn't want to run the show it feels like at first too because you know the the, the main guy was like i want i basically want you to you know take over and, and run shit yeah. while i'm gone and and he ends up like causing issues with like the other guy there was that uh like the the head of security or whatever <laughs> that was trying to you know be that guy in power and there was a little bit of uh craziness back and forth between them but like it, it felt to me you know through these few pages that he really didn't he was really only concerned with helping people just like he was before with yeah. you know so so that's where i was like well maybe he's gonna maybe you know he's gonna <laughs> turn his turn his leaf and 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 be you know be the true superman that we know and love he'll turn it around yeah the, yeah, yeah so yeah you're, you're correct like he he kind of just it's funny because like during like you know his big parade um he kind of just goes off to like save people and uh this is where we meet the the chief of uh, police who you're talking about so it's uh Pyotr roslov who's a russian stand-in for pete ross who um uh is a superman support character who traditionally at least like you know in the in the old school comics is like they go to high school together and like um they're not like pete's not like a bully to clark but they're like competitive with each other you know it's like uh you know they they both want to be like you know the quarterback or whatever and all that stuff and and, you know shit like that but eventually you know it's like like everyone in smallville in traditional continuity it's like they kind of they kind of know he's Superman and uh, and and then Pete's just kind of one of his friends afterwards, you know, like I said, a support character. But yeah, in this one, he's a uh, he's an illegitimate son of Joseph Stalin, and he's upset basically at how much his dad loves Superman because you know he wants to be the one in charge after you know his dad is gone. And uh, later later that night, uh, we get a scene where like this party is held, like in Superman's honor, and uh, he meets Diana Prince. The princess to yep. the island of Themyscira, uh, you know, Wonder Woman. They dance. Wonder Woman. Yeah, <laughs> they they dance, <laughs> and Diana is clearly like uh, pretty not smitten yet, but but she's infatuated with him. Uh, you know, like she talks to her mom uh, Hippolyta about it, like, and he's just like, oh, you know, he's he seems like you know the best of them, like you know he could he could really make a difference and stuff. And uh, 
at this point too, Stalin and Superman, you know, have like a chat outside and Stalin is like, you know, a pushy dad who is all like, you know, you like that Diana, huh? Like she'd be a good wife, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and, and Superman, like he's, he's like, I don't, I don't have any interest in that. Like he's, he's like, I just want to, you know, uphold the great dreams, you know, and, and whatnot and, and do what I need to do for, uh, do my part basically. And this is again, where he reiterates that he has no desire to be like the leader. He's also concerned that Piotr isn't there like at the party. So he stands for him and finds him 200 miles away on the farmlands that uh, Piotr grew up on. And uh, this is a pretty tense scene because he goes to see him and Piotr is drunk and he's like shooting a scarecrow, like just target practice. And uh, he hates, you know, Superman being there. He hates his job as chief of police and he wants more. But um, he even details how uh, he was recently sent to track down some anti-Superman protesters. And when he found them, he murdered and left their little boy all alone. And uh, I won't bury, I won't. Yeah, I won't bury the lead here. This is the origin. Of, this is Russian Batman. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, well, it's, it's so crazy here, too, because like I like and I've, I've read a lot of Batman comics, but yeah. I was like, I was like, this is definitely got Batman vibes all over it. And then, <laughs> you know, a couple panels later, boom, you got this kid screaming on the ground with bats flying. And I was like, all right, we're getting Batman. How is he going to play into this now? Exactly. This is going to be sweet because, you know, like Batman and Superman always have a tissy. So. So shit's going to go down and I hope it does because yeah. that's always a good time. <laughs> it, it'd have to, right? Like, I mean, like at this point, right. you know, this, so it's like, so Piotr, you know, is thinking about like this thing that he did and uh, he's stricken with guilt and he tries to shoot himself in the head. But like the bullet is stopped by Superman. And like, just as Piotr is about to confess something like that, he says, like, I, 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 I'm so sorry, I arranged Superman hears some distress and flies away to find that Stalin uh, has been poisoned. And uh, Superman, like, attempts to help, but to no avail, and Stalin actually passes away. And across the pond in the U.S., um, Luther unveils a clone he calls Superman 2, a truly bizarre version of Superman who doesn't really speak, and he looks deformed and wears a suit with a crest that says U.S. on the chest. (laughs) Did you get that this was bizarro? Uh, so I okay. So I didn't get this was Bizarro, but I I had like this guy looked like Tales of the Crypt, like <laughs> meets like uh what do, what do you call it? He, he kind <laughs> of a Frankenstein just, vibe to him. Yeah, Frankenstein. Yeah, I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Like I didn't even get. I I I don't know. I haven't read anything Bizarro. It's it's didn't. didn't pick that up yeah i mean like bizarro is like a character that it, I, i'm sure that you can probably tell from just the concept that like there are certain stories he works really well in and some that are just like the goofiest thing you've ever read in your life you know <laughs> but like he's 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 fun um i like this version just because of the fact of how he's utilized like and, and especially as like this big u.s propaganda piece like there's one thing that i like to point out um that uh his crest right like the little shield that says u.s on his chest um yep it's kind of cool because like that's the original, not the U.S. part, but um, uh, but that's the original crest that Superman had like in 1938. Like, so ah, it's like, okay. you know, so it's like kind of hearkening on this idea of like these classic like American like tales. And it's like this is what like, you know, our bastardized DNA clone of Superman would look like in this situation. And uh, yeah, like, you know, Superman you know, at this point, like uh, back in Russia, he's he's still kind of resistant to like the higher ups who at this point since Stalin's dead, they're begging him to, you know, take his place. And eventually him and the Superman two uh, cross paths uh, when the latter is like accompanying a U.S. vessel that's transporting missiles. And they have like this big knockdown drag out fight into London. And uh, it's a pretty cool fight, honestly. And it ends uh, surprisingly 
with Superman 2 sacrificing himself to stop a wayward missile that got fired off. Like he even freezes like regular Superman to do so. Like it's like and and Superman's like narrating this and he's like, to this day, I don't I don't know exactly why he did that or whatever, you know, and it's like uh, there's 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 this inherent goodness in Superman, even in a even in a shitty clone, you know, <laughs> but, but yeah, like and uh, the first issue basically wraps up with two major things. Lex calls Lois to basically say their marriage and life <laughs> together is on hold so he can figure out the Superman problem because his, you know, clone thing yep. failed. Uh, the second thing is Stalin's funeral. Uh, you know, citizens gather from all over Russia to come and see it. Uh, one of which is Superman's childhood friend, Lana Lazarenko, who is a Russian stand in for Lana Lang, you know, who's traditionally like Superman's first girlfriend and stuff like that in the in the regular books. She came to the city like with her kids to see the funeral and now they have no money. So she, you know, she's waiting in the streets in a bread line and Superman notices her and he just straight up opts to cut the line and get her food. But of course, notices that like everyone in line has the same exact plight, like they're all in the same situation. And uh it's this moment where it clicks for him and he turns on the previous feelings of not wanting to lead. And Lana tells him that, you know, it's OK. And like, you know, that he, he can't help everybody to which he responds. Actually, I can, Lana. I could take care of everyone's problems if I ran this place. And to tell you the truth, there's no good reason why I shouldn't tell your friends they don't have to be scared or hungry anymore. Comrades, Superman is here to rescue them, which Love is this a, page. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a really such great a, page. Such a good, such a good splash page. Yeah, just him flying up like above the people, like as if he's he's going to lead them into a better tomorrow type of thing. You know, it's uh, uh, again, like it, it it's so funny because like there's a lot of like literal use of propaganda in this book to like illustrate what each country does to like, you know, like, you know, fear monger, basically. But like then you get actual scenes that look like real life propaganda, like, you know, like like this scene, at least here and whatnot. But it's such a cool looking image. Like it's it's great stuff, man. But yeah, like so that's that sets up our, our status quo for the rest of the series. You know, Superman's going to lead Russia and uh, we'll see what happens, I guess. So uh, issue two uh, hits us with a lot. And it hits it real fast. Um, uh, it's, it's real fast. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of jarring, actually. Like now, <laughs> see, but uh, it's uh, it's years later, and we see Superman is battling Brainiac, who has come to Earth, and he miniaturized Stalingrad, uh, the city of Stalingrad. And uh, turns out uh, this was in cahoots, basically, with Luther, who tried to get Brainiac to shrink Moscow. But Brainiac, I guess, couldn't tell the difference between the cities. <laughs> so he likes shrinks Stalingrad. And, and that basically becomes, you know, Superman's version of the bottled city of Kandor, which is, you know, a city that from Krypton that Brainiac shrunk that Superman keeps and constantly tries to, uh, you know, regrow and help the people within. But we see Superman defeats Brainiac, takes the shrunken Stalingrad. And uh, later on, we'll see that he actually reprograms uh, Brainiac as like his little aide. Meanwhile, in Moscow... We see this version of Batman, you know, who's grown up. Uh, this has to at least be like, you know, 10 years later or something. And um, uh, <laughs> we see Batman like commit basically a terrorist attack on a museum dedicated to Superman's accomplishments. And he actually detonates like several bombs throughout the city. And uh, I man. I don't care what people say. I don't. This is kind of a point of contention on this book, but this Batman design is sick. <laughs> it's so cool. I love I love his uh, his hat. Yeah, like the like Russian his, hat his, with yeah. the thing in the front, the Russian hat. And he's like, you know, he's he's got that half splash page with him, like flying down on, on like a, on a rope line that's like through Superman's uh, emblem there. And he's just got like bullet holes through his cape and shit. Yeah, it's so cool. This Batman, <laughs> this Batman is fucking awesome. <laughs> he looks so cool. <laughs> like, but, but yeah, like the the Russian police, you know, obviously go after him. They try to capture Batman, who inevitably gets away and. 
Piotr, who, like we said, is the, he's the chief of police, um, uh, chastises Superman, actually, for not being there and helping more. As Superman's, like, you know, just bent up, like, doing other things. And uh, basically, the result of that is Superman and Wonder Woman, who's now dressed in more, like, Soviet attire, making more of, like, an effort to protect people, like, just on the streets and, and you know, helping people in the, the traditional superhero way, I guess. But, you know, with Russian, you know, motives. <laughs> yeah, so I had a question for you. Like, yeah. these... these uh kgb outfits with the crazy ass mask like they they look very hydra-esque which i know like is there something in in dc comics that these are supposed to be like yeah I, I don't i don't know i think like the implication cool. yeah they are cool <laughs> like, but uh, i don't know if they're supposed to be like equivalent to something already existing or if it's just supposed to be the implication that like even though i guess we'd be in like the 60s or 70s at this point you know with superman's help like technology and everything is advancing further every like society is is advancing at a at a you know, rapid pace. And I think that's just like the look to make it look more like, you know, oh, it's this menacing kind of like, you know, like we were saying before, like a Nazi-esque kind of country where it's like, you know, oh, like, you know, the, the police are like these inhuman like things that just, you know, make sure you stay in line type of thing. But I, I don't know if they're an allegory for anything in particular, at least. But yeah, the, you're correct. They do look very Hydra-ish. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> but yeah, like, um, so, you know, Wonder Woman at this point, she seems to kind of get like, you know, it's it's more obvious that she's like kind of smitten with Superman by during their little escapades and whatnot of helping people and stuff. And uh, we, you know, we see Perry White retires. Uh, Lois gets, you know, to the editor in chief position at the Daily Planet. Uh, she tries to go and talk to Lex, but he is preoccupied, like planning for experiments with an alien that crashed in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. Well, here's <laughs> here, here's what's interesting, too, because the when when like I think this is supposed to be Oliver. Oliver Queen is in here. Yeah, maybe. he is. He works for the Daily he's Planet. In, he's so. works for the Daily Planet. I picked up on that because I I got to read more Green Arrow, but like I watched the Arrow shows and I was like, oh, that's that's Ollie. And it looks like that they're doing a play off of that. But he really didn't come into play from a superhero perspective for this book. He was just kind of he's more of a cameo, like a little plug. Yeah. yeah, yeah, just a little cameo, you know, got to have Ollie in there a little bit, you know, but yeah, I, I love that fact, too. It's like, I, I don't mind his his appearance, but it's like Miller was just like, I have no idea what to do with it. <laughs> like, it was just like, just he was just, there and then gone. Yeah. It's like, but yeah, like, dude, I love this setup, though, where it's like she goes to, you know, try to talk to Lex and he's like talking about how. I got to prepare for these experiments because like there's a there's an alien that crashed in Roswell, New Mexico, and it appears that there's an object of great power that crashed with the now deceased alien that the U.S. wants to use to fight Superman. More on that in a little bit. So we see <laughs> we see Piotr. I I love this, though, because this really shows it's, how 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 many fucks Lex actually gives to Lois because she legit comes to him. Happy anniversary, dear. You know, here's another 23 glorious years or whatever and he and he's like oh what a wonderful surprise you know put that piece of shit thing that you bought for me on my usual on my desk next to the usual bullshit and my my assistant will take care of it yeah. it's just like it's just like jesus christ like jesus, how yeah. is he still married and how are these how is she still putting up with this bullshit no idea man no idea like it, it's just like it's 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 kind of ridiculous at, at this point. And like so, but uh, at this point, we we cut. We actually see Piotr gets kidnapped and brought to Batman's like underground base. I can only assume that uh, the person who kidnaps him, like in the car that he's in, is Russian Alfred. 
it kind of looks like him. It does. It does. 100%. <laughs> they never call yeah. him that. You never see him again. But I'm like, is that Alfred? That's kind of funny. But yeah, so like, uh, uh, anyway, Batman's cave is like safe from Superman's hearing. So Piotr tells Batman that the U.S. government and Lex have this proposition for him to kill Superman, basically. And uh, they say they have the technology to do it. It ha- I'm looking at this. It has to be because he goes through like this <laughs> t- underground tunnel to Batman's lair. Yeah. It has it, it. It has to be. He's him. got the mustache. And who stuff. Else w- yeah. yeah. Who <laughs> else would know where to go for Batman's uh, underground cave? Exactly. It's, it's yeah. got to be. <laughs> but yeah, so like Batman, you know, like hearing this is he's hesitant. Uh, well, because, uh, you know, Piotr's the one who killed his parents <laughs> and like uh, he see, yeah. he, but he does kind of see this as like he's like, this is the greater need for now. And he like accepts the deal. And so what's Batman's plan? Uh, he kidnaps Wonder Woman who like cries out for Superman's help. Superman arrives like, you know, they're in like this rural area and uh, Batman has Wonder Woman tied up with her own lasso, like the lasso of truth, which uh, is is subtly explained that um, to be basically inexorably tied to like her power. Like, you know, like why she's more powerful than like, you know, the other Amazons who are also very powerful or whatever. But Batman explains that, you know, he has a bomb like in his body and, you know, then some some lights pop up like all around the area and they're solar lights, red solar lights to be exact. And they emulate the red sun that was present on Superman's dead home planet. So Superman like stays cocky, not realizing like what is happening. And Batman just beats the hell out of him, like just just knocks the shit out of him like over and over again and it's it's a really cool fight it's it's the dark knight returns moment but russian for this book you know and like uh loved it yeah it's it's good stuff and like batman like you know talks a bunch of shit he calls superman like a power hungry lunatic and he throws him in like a bunker filled with the lights and tells him like you're gonna die here and i'm gonna like me and my followers are gonna take back our country superman though like cries out for diana who's still up there you know just tied up and uh he's like break the lasso like he, he said i'm the only like person i'm the uh, best hope for this world to be fixed and so diana like you know musters up the strength she breaks the lasso she hits batman out of the way to destroy the lights and superman just like blasts out now rejuvenated and he tells batman he's going to fix him via brain surgery it's like a real like scary line and uh, in response batman detonates the bomb within him and kills himself as he tells superman that uh it was piotr who betrayed him and uh yeah and this yeah. this is crazy because like wonder woman comes off like like completely battered and turned to i would say like a witch almost like yeah. an old hag because of what she had to do in order to break to to break the bonds so so to speak yeah it, yeah she's like showing it's crazy it's like she's rapidly aging or something you know it's like yeah. her like all the power like is is kind of like you know sapped out of her and uh superman you know stands distraught after learning of piotr's betrayal and uh this is where uh we cut to see the roswell facility and uh lex is checking it out and the alien that landed is the Green Lantern Abin Sir. <laughs> and the, of course. And the weapon, the weapon, of course, is the Green Lantern ring that they're talking about. I love that reveal. This this is such a good idea. Like, I, you know, I used to be such a huge, like, you know, X-Files dude and whatnot that I'm just like, oh, dude, like retconning Roswell to be the fucking Green Lantern ship is amazing. <laughs> like, I love that. <laughs> and like, it's, oh, that's just, that's good stuff. And, and basically, this, uh, this issue you know, Lex is like, oh, we're, we're going to use this like weapon. You know, this is this is a weapon. We're going to use it. And uh, this issue ends as uh, we see the citizens in Russia who rebel, you know, using Batman as like a symbol. Uh, Diana is practically seen to be catatonic. 
it said like she didn't speak for months after the Batman incident. And, uh, uh, you know, the narration is like how she hated Superman after this moment, basically. And um, we also see Piotr now with a reprogrammed like Superman machine on his head. And he's happily speaking of brain surgery. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and he's happily subservient and talking about how Superman and Brainiac are currently building a fortress. That's an ominous end <laughs> to issue two. <laughs> it's like it, it, he's just it's like Superman just falling deeper and deeper, you know, and, and it's uh, it's kind of a, a weird fall arc here. But uh, and here's where here's where like they like this whole issue or you know this 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 book was all based off of them fighting but you really don't understand like do the people actually like superman hate him i mean it sounds like some of them hate him some of them like him because they had like that resistance where people were dressing up like batman and whatever and mm-hmm. and they threw up the bat signal and stuff but like you really don't get into some of the things that he was trying to implement other than he's now building the his fortress of solitude with with brainiac basically so like that that's one thing that i wish we got a little bit more of to see like is was he actually doing good or was he being a communist yeah because we only really see like the perspective of like i think the closest we get to that is probably lana who we see later on actually in that last scene with piotr we see that she's like an officer now like like superman has her as part of like you know the russian regime but like her, it's like I you can't really we don't really she doesn't say outright how she feels. You know, it's like she seems subservient to Superman. Sure. But like, I mean, she's she's definitely probably OK with this because she's doing way better than she used to be. doing. So, like, but but yeah, it's 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 hard to tell because uh, and we'll see in, in this issue three here uh, that the only real perspective we get is Brainiac statistics. So uh, <laughs> we, uh, so issue three the finale, we cut to even further into the future. And practically every country has joined the Warsaw Pact, you know, the Soviet Union and whatnot, and all except the United States and Chile, which I thought was an interesting detail. <laughs> it's like I, I love, I, I have to say, the first splash page that we get at the beginning of this issue was just fucking awesome. Like Superman standing on the Russian satellite, like looking at, you know, everything that he's built and it yeah. kind of... You know, he's like his take over the world mentality, which kind of makes you feel like he is bad at this point And he's, you know, not doing all the right things that he oh, should yeah. be doing. This is the worst. And, he is. kind of. <laughs> yeah. And this kind of really flipped my perspective of oh, we're fucked. He's not turning around. And, and, and you know, <laughs> now now we got to figure out how he's going to be stopped. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah. We're on the other end now. There's 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 not any hope <laughs> at this point, it seems. But yeah, so like Superman, you know, has has Brainiac run some statistics and like everything is going smoothly, like, you know, hardly like he says something about how like hardly any citizen even complains, like even when they think that I can't hear them, you know, type of thing. It's real creepy. And like, I don't know what it is, but there's one thing that Brainiac brings up is how he has put fluoxetine hydrochloride in the water supply to lessen suicides. And every time I read that, it like makes my skin crawl. I'm like, that's so fucking invasive and gross. (laughs) Like, you know, of a thing to do. Like, it's just like, like they really drive it home. Like, yep, Superman's gone at this point. (laughs) So like Superman, like, you know, after all the statistics stuff from Brainiac, he asks like about America. Like he's like, how's America doing? And Brainiac describes it as a war zone. And uh, we even get a, a little neat. Uh, homage to Superman lifting the car on the cover of Action Comics number one. Uh, But it's a bunch of American citizens like tipping over a vehicle in like a fiery city and like just looks like all hell broke loose. And uh, Superman is like adamant about not forcing any country into their union. You know, he's like because Brainiac's like, we we should just go and like save them or take over or whatever. And he's like, no, we've we've never done that. Everybody's joined willingly. Like, you know, we're going to 
we're going to keep at that. Uh, but Superman did not expect what happens next. Lex Luthor gets elected president. <laughs> Which is always yeah. which yeah. is always a fun thing. Uh, well, we get we get a traditional Lex Luthor here, where you know he's bald now and yeah. he's old, and he looks like the legit Lex Luthor that I remember, anyways, in yes. all the shows and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And guess what, though, At Lex he he fixes it all. He got world trade back for the United States. He gets jobs back. He gets wages up. The economy is booming again. And just to make sure that you know, Lex is a dick, though. It's shown that the <laughs> one company he didn't save is the Daily Planet poor lois like jesus christ man <laughs> like, but, but yeah so like she got the short end of the stick in this of, run of every stick jesus like it's just like we is so you know we catch up with lex at this point who goes to like you know a training facility for the new what they dub as the green lantern marine corps and uh who's the leader colonel hal jordan uh who is uh this reality was captured during a war in the 80s with Malaysia or in Malaysia, excuse me. And he was tortured like so severely by like the communists there. Like, uh, but, you know, he had like the will to go on. It, it, Lex even says something like, oh, like it would normally break any man. But he he uh, he stayed sane or whatever. But I, in my opinion, he, he went a little crazy and he built like a torture prison in his mind to get revenge on those who tortured him. And uh, so they're like, he has such great will. He's going to be the leader, you know, <laughs> and uh, I love I love how they get there. Yeah, where, where Lex just hits this button in his private jet, and it creates like this rip in reality to get to get him to a place where like Superman can't even. Yeah, hear. yeah, they're like, training. Lex, Lex has even thought about that aspect of it, which I thought was super cool. There was one thing I forgot to actually put in my notes, but I love too how um you know they explain how they how they're able to utilize the Green Lantern rings, and it's because they put it through for like ten years. They had like a random like sequence generator until it just came up with the Green Lantern oath. <laughs> it worked right <laughs> like that's great i love that <laughs> yeah so we see lois uh at this point as well she's sent to paradise island themyscira to get diana's support for when they go after superman and it's here that it's the time comes for lex's assault and as superman like still ponders how to fix the shrunken stalingrad lex just kind of shows up in the fortress and uh you know he says like he came to fight superman like with his mind and uh brainiac who has been, you know, like I said, pushing for the invasion of the U.S., is having, like, none of this, though, and he just subdues Lex, like, much to the chagrin of Superman. Brainiac has one of my favorite lines here, too, where he justifies this to Superman by saying, I couldn't allow him to debate with you, Superman. Entering a conversation with a level 9 intelligence is more dangerous than any death trap. My calculations were that he could have talked you into suicide within 14 minutes. <laughs> it's, like, so specific. That's <laughs> that's some crazy stuff. <laughs> But it's a great line. I, I, that that went up for some reason. I always remembered as well. Just the fact that it was like, oh, Lex Luthor could talk Superman into suicide in fourteen minutes or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, the, yeah, that was uh, that that was nuts. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I uh, and, and I and I, we haven't touched upon this, but I really like Brainiac's character. Yeah, how he's drawn and just like he's kind of robotic. And I, you know, in some of the shows that I've watched, I remember Brainiac, but he's like he's always was more human. And and here, like obviously, he's a robot and re reprogrammed, but he's just. I don't know. He's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. He, his design is great. Um, it's got like a, even the ship and whatnot, it has that classic kind of Brainiac feel, but it also kind of, uh, evokes something different, which is cool. Like, uh, it, it fits the aesthetic of this book very well. Yeah. Very, 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 it's, it's, a, yeah, it's yeah. a great time. Yeah. And it like, so Superman is then basically begrudgingly convinced to storm the U S like Brainiac. He's like, Brainiac, you take the West coast and I'll take the East. We'll meet in the middle or whatever. <laughs> You know, and uh, uh, on on his way, though, you know, he encounters the lanterns 
who, you know, put up like a decent fight, but they're ultimately defeated. Uh, the Amazons make an attempt as well, and Superman just burns Diana's face and hits her away. Uh, he also calls her an idiot because this book wasn't already mean and uncaring to the women in it. Uh, but <laughs> seriously, but seriously. Oh my God, I saw that. I was like, can we, can, can, can they have a worse time? It was ridiculous. Seriously, Jesus Christ. Yeah, but like, I, I gotta say real quick, I, I, I didn't even write this down either, but just thinking about it and how I summed it up there with the Green Lantern fight and the Amazon fight, I, I like the, you know, the encounter. It does seem kind of rushed though, doesn't it? For like how yeah, much, yeah. For like how much build yeah, because, up. <laughs> yeah, there was a huge, like I was, I was going to mention that actually, because like I'm looking at the panel that has like all the green lanterns and like there was only one ring. So they must be splitting powers in some way or they, they figure figured out, out how a to, way like, to like yeah, they, create other ones with the same one lantern powering them all, which would be my guess. Yeah. Like, we, here's where we got to jump through some hoops. And, and this does feel quite rushed because you have like the, the, the one power source, the green lantern in like Hal's hand. And then like all the other lanterns or well, yeah, whatever you want to call them soldiers. Yeah. You know, but it, it definitely felt rushed, but it was definitely cool to also see like Brainiac's tentacles. Cause that's always, that's always, uh, like cr- creepy as shit to, 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 to see happen. And I was, I was like, Oh yeah, I lo- love that. Like, cause I remember watching, um, what was it? Krypton, the season that had Brainiac as the bad guy with young, with the, um, what was it? The Superman descendant or whatever. And Brainiac was a, was a big part of that show and he was super creepy. Yeah. I've uh... I always loved, always loved when, when they had the tentacles and, and he always ripped people away and it's just, it, yeah. Brainiac could be can, Brainiac when utilized in that way is is really like scary and weird and it, it, and that's kind of my my favorite interpretations of him you know it's like when he's just Love like this it. creepy like you don't even know like why he's doing what he's doing and like but yeah that Krypton show though I've I've always heard good things I've never actually watched it though it's uh it's definitely worth worth watching I think it got canceled after like two or three seasons and it, it's a shame because you know that was one of those shows that. Uh, not a lot of people either liked or saw it was definitely a cool interpretation of everything that was going on. And, and, you know, I, I, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I definitely, like I said, it's been kind of one of those, I've been like, I'm going to jump into that one day, but I just have too much shit to watch apparently. So, (laughs) oh dude, tell me about it. It might, my backlog of, it's like, do I read tonight or do I watch a show? And like, exactly. I I usually play that game. My problem is I usually opt for the reading. So I'm like that, I think, you know, and and that's an eternal battle as well. So it's like, (laughs) so like, yeah, me too. Yeah, so so like after you know Superman basically defeats the the threats, you know, like the Amazons and the Green Lantern Corps, um, Superman and Brainiac converge on the White House where Lois is there waiting, and Superman asks her to leave, but she won't. You know, she's like, "This is my home. I'm not I'm not leaving here." And uh, she tells him to look at the letter that's in her pocket, and he reads it. It it instantly brings him to tears. And uh, this was Lex's ninth level intelligent plan here. Uh, the letter reads simply just. Why don't you just put the whole world in a bottle, Superman? And that's enough to make him realize that he has become exactly what he never wanted to be. He's like Brainiac before he was reprogrammed. And, uh, you know, Brainiac, like sensing Superman's distress, asks what is wrong. And Superman says that they're leaving. And Brainiac doesn't like this because it turns out he was a bad boy the whole time. (laughs) And then like Brainiac, so, you know, just attacks Superman and is suddenly powered off by Lex who is still like, you know, within the ship. 
but there's plans upon plans because Brainiac's ship begins to self-destruct, like it begins a countdown to self-destruct. I love how like these last few story beats just get more and more extreme. Like with and it has, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like we're gonna build, but we're gonna completely turn it turn it on its head, and you're not gonna know what the hell's going on. Exactly, yeah. It's I, a- <laughs> I love how we get like seriously true Brainiac because he's always he's always thinking 12 steps ahead of everybody. And 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 it, it's just great because you get him in his like plugged. I, I call it the plugged in sense where like he's like plugged into everything. And yeah, he's got all his tentacles hooked up to his ship. And he's like really ripping and thinking about like 17 steps ahead. And yeah, I'm going to, you know, take over the world. What you what did you think about um the uh the reveal of like what what was in the letter like how that's what brings superman like to realize like what he's done it was so simple but it was such a callback to like the beginning of this what is it the second issue where the 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 um the stalingrad yeah it's a- stalingrad was in the bottle and he was pissed off at lex and then he just you know it, I, I liked that. Call. I really liked that callback to, it, 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 you know, kind of humanize him in a bit and make him realize that he completely fucked up. Yeah, it it kind of it's so simple that like it almost feels like you're like, really, that's it. But like at the same time, I'm like, it kind of it kind of works. It's endearing, I think. Like, you know, it's just like, oh, like, you know, if he really is Superman under there, like something like that would affect him, you know, like I, I you know, at, at the end of the day, it's like he's still the same guy. He's just, yeah, it's the it's the whole nature versus nurture type thing where it's like he was raised somewhere different. So he's different, you know, and at his is, core. Yeah, it's like and yeah, I don't know. But like, yeah, at his core, you know, this would still affect him because at the end of the day, he still wants to help and do the right thing you know he's just been going about it wrong which yeah i mean i, I think it, i think it works pretty well even even with it being so simple but oh yeah so so this is the the big finale basically is that lex does the math and says that the explosion that you know brainiac ship is counting down towards will wipe out everything in a 15 million mile radius so so yeah, so, nuts. Yeah, so superman like takes it into space far far away and he sacrifices himself for the adopted world and the adopted people. And uh, I like his little line, like his his last little line where he says, uh, Lex, I know you're not going to hear this message for a while or even see the explosion until the light reaches you. But there's something I have to say before I go. Well played, old friend. And he smiles. Yeah. And you're like, oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> and you're like, oh, that's that's needed. And, and we see, you know, Lex, like, you know, back in like, you know, on the in, in his one of his bunkers or whatever he knocks over chess piece because he's been playing chess this whole goddamn book and uh, <laughs> and like and he's like you know checkmate superman or whatever and you're like okay well that's the end of our story or it would be if not for these last you're right few, <laughs> if not for these last yeah, few right. pages. so i'm very curious on your thoughts here marty because i won't lie like i i, I talked about it a little bit before but it, not pulling any punches this shit blew my mind when i read it back in 2010 or whatever so uh we see earth being led by Lex after all this which, happened, he gets reelected. Which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but like, so he gets reelected, you know, in 2004. There's actually a funny jab at George W. Bush, like the George W. Bush election in 2004, where he says like he won by 101% of the vote and like how mathematicians <laughs> can't figure it out. And it's like, M- Millar love, M- Miller loves slamming Bush in, in his books at this point. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, so, so Lex, you know, does like, you know, wonderful things. He cures diseases. He fixes the economies of the world. He makes it so people live like, you know, hundreds of years and shit. Yeah, and, hundred and what does it say? 120 average life was like 180 years or something. Yeah, yeah. And like, and we see him like, you know, you know, at the end of his life on his deathbed and he's surrounded by Lois and a bunch of news reporter bots. And 
one of them asks, like, you know, what he thinks his greatest accomplishment was. And he says, defeating the alien, my boy. What in the world could possibly compare with saving my people from Superman? And uh, again, <laughs> slamming his wife. <laughs> you know, like, like, yeah. like, I was like, Who's... last minute jab on his fucking deathbed. He has to give. He has to say that. And like with Lois right next to him. <laughs> he was going to say she's she still right next through, to him. She sticks with him the whole time. I like I read this and I started laughing. I was <laughs> like, like, I was like, oh, my God, what a douchebag. I mean, like, I would assume, hopefully, like. You know, maybe it's just the better part of me. It's not it's not mentioned in the book, but like I would assume the better part of me that after he defeated Superman, he actually turned some attention towards her for once. You know, like it's like, yeah, doubtful, I guess. But (laughs) but yeah, so like but anyway, so like after Lex's death, uh, we actually see Superman like attend the funeral. He's in like a very Clark Kent esque disguise and he narrates how the human race like went on to become the most advanced species in the universe. And it was all led by a billion years worth of Luther's lineage. And of course, times change and societal norms do as well. And uh, he talks of like, you know, descendants of Lexus. And uh, we, we, he mentions a Lena Luther, who's an artist, Lombard Luther, yep. the Imagineer, Laurie Luth, dash one, four, five, the math magician, Jordan Luth, dash one, nine, three, eight, a pioneering Necronaut, which is a really cool band name. And uh, then we, <laughs> the name, the name is <laughs> totally would listen. To that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, then we see that the name is shortened even further and we get Alex dash L Jordan dash L Lana dash L and Lex's great grandson to the 50th power, Jor L, father of Superman. Uh, we cut to see Jor L and his wife, Lana. They're loading their son into a rocket as their planet, which is said to be Earth, not Krypton, is about to collapse into the red sun of our solar system because, you know, eventually that will happen. <laughs> and uh, they send their son, Cal L, just to, just L, yeah, not, not L, back in time. <laughs> this, this was <laughs> They send him back in time this to make a crazy. difference. And back when the sun was yellow and as the book closes, we see that the rockets like lands on a humble farm in the Ukraine in 1938. Goddamn you, Grant Morrison. <laughs> and that, and, that and is, the circle continues. Yes, And that is the end of Superman Red Sun. Uh, yeah, dude, I got to get your thoughts before we go into over. I guess this would be overall still. But um, uh, what do you think of that ending? That shit still kind of blows my mind. I, I really like it. <laughs> it's just crazy it's just like it comes back full circle and here we go again like like what the fuck (laughs) in the in the context of like the story itself it's kind of like it i guess you could say it feels like shoved in at the end but like but i just remember being captivated by it the first time i read it and it like blew my mind i was like that's such a cool idea you know like and, and just i don't know it's 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 very grant morrisonian and just for reference apparently that was a grant morrison pitch like miller like you know they're both they're both scottish and uh miller asked grant morrison like you know his thoughts on like what what he should do for like an ending or uh what he should do like with a superman story and morrison had a pitch where it was like him and lex were related and it was like it wasn't coming from you know a different planet it was it was a time ship type of thing so we can thank grant morrison for that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, but yeah, like, I don't know. It just it, it's reading it again, even like for this, like, you know, a decade later for me, like a little more. I'm like, yeah, I really like that. I think it's cool. <laughs> yeah, because it, it, it completely turns 
the whole Superman aspect on its, on its head. It's like, was he really an alien or did he just continue to go back into an infinite time loop? Yeah. And, and you were like literally just replaying time over and over again. Exactly. And it, and it shoves it in Lex's face right at the end that it's like, oh, you were fighting like your great grandson to the 51st power or whatever <laughs> like you know it's like yeah it's a uh, yeah i don't know there's just there's there's just a it, it just it just blows your mind right at the end there for a bit <laughs> and uh so yeah i guess let's just get into some overall thoughts here like um i guess like just overall like what did you think of the book as a whole especially being your so first I, superman book yeah so this is my first superman book um i thought it was cool i liked i really liked how they brought in characters uh, to flesh out the story a bit like so we got batman we got wonder woman we got you know ollie for about six seconds <laughs> you know i just like I, I like that i like that aspect you know the whole lex luther and superman battling but just the opposite we got a little bit of brainiac in there i mean it was like it was just a cool take on everything and kind of flipped everything differently than what i'm used to seeing and you, you get superman is the one that is continually like battling good versus uh communist ideas which I thought was really interesting because usually it's like Lex Luthor kind of n- not communist ideals, but he, Lex is usually the one that does that. So you get a little bit of it flipped on its head, which I thought was cool. You know, the, the ending definitely to your point, right, where he was it, he, it was kind of a complete mind fuck where he's yeah. just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, you're bat- you're battling your grandson or were you? you yeah, know I mean? exactly. So like, I thought that was wicked cool. I just liked it. I mean, I really enjoyed it. It was a good, it read quick and easy. You know, I, I had some struggles with like, it would have been nice to know what the impact was to society that, yeah. you know, Superman and Lex were doing. It looked like you got more of it from Lex's perspective. So I feel like for that, like I, you know, led more towards, oh, Lex is definitely doing the right thing and Superman just being a jackass and, you know, because he doesn't care really about it, even though Lex didn't care about his wife. Yeah. <laughs> it's just apparent. I, but. S- I sort of have a pitch for how I would have liked to have seen this story fleshed out a little bit more, but I'll get to that in a sec with my with one of my other points, at least. But uh, for me, like upon rereading this, it was kind of interesting because um, I don't know if you got it from my context before, but like Miller, especially at this point in his career, was kind of known for like doing real like, I guess, just like angsty and like, you know, like real hot, like, you know, takes on like characters and like, you know, events and happening and like real extreme shit, you know, like and uh, if anything, rereading this book again, I realized like how much reverence Miller has for Superman, like Superman's character is still very much intact here in this story, uh, even when he's kind of the antagonist, like his morals are strong and like, you know, the defining trait of his character. And sure, he goes like, you know, crazy for a bit, controlling people and shit. But I I think that's more of like a comment on Miller's idea of like, you know, the the, the saying of like absolute power, you know, corrupts absolutely type thing. And uh, it's almost like Superman is like too pure for Miller's like natural inclination to like go a little angsty and like a little shock jock with his stories which is like an aspect i really dig about this book like it 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 treads that line very finely it doesn't ever go like full like oh and then and then his head got blown up or whatever you know or something like that (laughs) (laughs) like it's i don't know it's good but um but yeah like uh, how'd you feel about this interpretation on that note i guess how'd you feel about this interpretation like of superman himself i mean it was it was really cool to see you know how potentially evil can corrupt something potentially so good and you know that whole differential was was really was really was really a fun concept to to flesh out and as it related to like the battles and what he was trying i mean at, at the core 
like he was really trying to help the people like in the beginning, you know, he was trying to help the people. He just wanted to feed everybody. And then it just kind of got out of hand. It's just like shows. And I hate to go back to, I mean, this is Marvel, but like with great power comes great responsibility. And like how, when, when you get that power so quickly and, and people look up to you, like how fast it can be corrupted to the point of where Superman, who usually knows everything that's going on in battles in general, like has Brainiac sniff right under his nose yeah, and completely like okie doke him. You yeah, know what I mean? And, exactly. And yeah. he didn't even see it. So like he was definitely blinded by something there because you, you got to think that he would have at least had some sort of inkling of what's going on at least or, yeah. or second guessing, you know? He's, so that, that, that piece when it happened, I was like, damn, like he, he just got completely corrupted. Yeah. He's, he's more, he's obviously, I mean, like, because there is a point in the story where he goes straight antagonist, you know, and like, and it's, uh, it's, it, it's, I think it's just a showing of like, you know, his, uh, he's more fallible than like, you know, our typical Superman is obviously. And, uh, you know, doesn't always know the right thing because I guess the implication is that because he was raised in a culture where, you know, there were, there were dividing sides. And like, it's kind of interesting when you think about it too, because I, I set up top about like the communist ideal, like at its whole, I think like with all like, you know, governmental structures, they have like good intent and like the core idea is this, but it never ends up being that because people are always going to want more and people are always going to be one like, you know, at the top, the corruption is, is inevitable, you know, like that. <laughs> but, uh, but like, I think the, the implication with that in the story and showing how Superman is fallible is just that he saw both sides so extremely like being close to someone like Stalin but then growing up in like the Ukraine on a farm, it's like he he's like he's like, oh, yeah, like the idea is is what it is. And then he just slowly molds into that role because like he doesn't see another way or know another way to get around it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about what you were brought up into and your past experiences that help drive, you know, who you are and your moral compass, so to speak. So like with that, he didn't know there was a gray area or there was a, a give and take, so to speak. Yeah, that was a middle ground that probably would have been a better avenue to to do for a number of things that, you know, he was trying to accomplish as opposed to one extreme or the other. Yeah. And and then he just, you know, fell further and further to where it's like he didn't even it's, it's almost like he didn't even realize like what he was doing, you know, because it just made sense at the time. Like, you know, <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, like uh, it, there's there's a lot to go into. And, and I I would think that Miller wants us to think of that stuff. <laughs> Like in regards to like, you know, the idea behind the book and whatnot, like it, it's it seems like that's kind of like the core element and what innately kind of fascinates people by like just hearing like, oh, uh, you know, there's this Superman story, but he but he's Russian instead of lands in Kansas. And it's like, oh, that's interesting, you know, and, the, and your mind starts racing with ideas. And like, I feel like it plays pretty well with like, you know, a well thought out executed idea of like what that would be, you know? <laughs> so, but yeah, like, um, on the artistic side, I wanted to mention here, like, I think everybody involved does like a really great job, uh, making, you know, a modern looking book, um, with like, you know, some cool touches to like the time periods that we were talking about earlier. I think colors and inks in particular, give this book a very bold and darker vibe. Um, it subtly kind of puts your mind in a place where you're like, you know, this is familiar, but, but something's definitely different or off. And, uh, I wanted to ask you, Marty, of, uh, how do you feel about the art? Were there like any standouts for you or anything like that? I mean, I think I think bold bold is a good choice of words because it's not bright. It's just like 
it's right there in your face and it really gets the points across and it's it's bright but dull you know where it has to be and that really gets into the vibe of the error and the time jumping of you know what what the time periods were that that we were trying to handle but liked i liked i definitely liked the uh the colors i liked the art in general i thought it was good because i mean there, there are times I, i'd read a book if the art isn't good it can take you completely the story but this kind of um did a good job almost immersively yeah. into the time periods that you were in for the um for for the for the for where you were in the book because there were times where we were you know 50s 60s and then we were times where where it felt like we it was like future times where with the with the buildings with like the green you know panels on them which i'm guessing are like solar panels or something like yeah that. yeah <laughs> right but like it it was very immersive in in that aspect which i i always enjoy yeah yeah it's a it's i feel like it's perfectly suitable for the story it tells i will say um it's it's not jarring because like, like I said, the colorist at least is the same through the whole book. So that palette is like, you know, equivalent, like from issue to issue. But I will say it is, it is kind of interesting that, um, Dave Johnson only did the interiors for the first issue and then Plunkett takes over for two and three. And it's noticeable when I look at it, but I feel like once we jump into issue two and it's like immediately like him fighting Brainiac and shit, I'm like, oh, this would have kind of a different vibe anyway. You know, so like it kind of fit, it, it fits to me. But I will say just as a general thing, I think issue one kind of looks the best. I really like Dave Johnson, like as an artist. And uh, I just we kept we kept talking about it when we were talking about the first issue. But there's all these like propaganda style, like iconography yeah. shots that like just fit the tone so well. But like then the story kind of does go in more of like a different direction after issue one. So it's like it kind of fits for it to change if it's going to change. You know what I mean? Like, and Plunkett does a great job too. Like I, I really love like what, what you were saying about this, th this interpretation of Brainiac is really awesome. And like just the design elements are cool. And like, uh, you know, obviously we get the, the Batman design in the Plunkett issues. So, <laughs> but yeah, yep. but yeah. But yeah uh, so one other thing I wanted to say was, or ask you as well too, is that obviously this is a, like a one and done Elseworld story, but is there anything you would have liked to have seen expanded or like any ideas elaborated on? I know we talked about like kind of like the bird's eye, uh, we kind of get the bird's eye view, but like we wanted more from like the people. Uh, was there anything else you were kind of like itching to see more of in this world? Oh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a good question. I like the superhero or the, the kind of Superman a little bit in, in, in a little bit more fleshed out way. So like we we kind of get, you know, his story with uh, Wonder Woman, right, where like she literally essentially sacrifices herself. Mm -hmm. That would have been nice to get a little bit more fleshed out because like all of a sudden like you meet her. She's all Google, like she, there's a little a panel where she, I, I was going to bring it up earlier, but good to point to bring it up now. Yeah. She's like googly eyed yeah. and she was like eyes wide open, like oh, Superman. Yeah, like, she, like she, I was like, okay, really so she's him. like got head over heels for him. And then like she goes away and then all of a sudden it feels like, all right, I'm just going to, you know, break chains and sacrifice my body for you for no reason because I'm madly infatuated with you. Like that really wasn't fleshed out enough to me to, yeah. to go to that extreme even with the little conversations that, that she had with i think what her mom and and a couple other people at the party and and just when she was on um on the island so like it would have been a lot nicer to get more interactions with them together to really get a sense of were the feelings mutual? Like he basically told her, Hey, do this for me type of thing. So I think that could have been another avenue to explore 
to um to, to flesh out and, and honestly like you probably could have done one more oversized issue and fleshed out those mm-hmm. two things and you would have had a solid four you know oversized four issue run you were you were right on the track that i'm on because uh because at, okay so my biggest complaint uh with this book is how lois and diana are treated <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> like uh, un- unfortunately you know that's par for the course in this era of comics in regards to characters that are women you know and and it sucks but like lois you know just for example like lois is just depressing to read uh yet and she seems herself depressed and yet still beholden to whatever lex says diana is set up for like a really interesting status quo i think but then is literally just hit out of the book <laughs> like she doesn't do anything and like to me it would have gone a long way just to see in terms of lois i guess like to see lois and superman interact more you know, just to having them have like another one on one conversation, at least at some point, that's kind of pointed towards would be would be nice in in terms of uh, or as far as Diana goes, I would take a whole issue just from her perspective, like after issue two, like just go to Diana and like just tell what she's doing, why, like from her perspective, what's going on, why she changed so drastically and like or at least just because I can I can infer why, but like it's just like I would like to hear it from her perspective more, you know, <laughs> and like it's th- there's just so much potential there to me. Like she feels like such an afterthought after the lasso was broken. Like I'd actually like I said, take a take a whole issue in a similar vein as well. I it, do it with Lois too. do do another issue with just Lois after issue one, <laughs> like what she's going through or something, you know, like or, it's like I think that or could totally even work. split it. Yeah, you could, yeah. You could have an oversized issue where you split and you're doing that back and forth between the two different perspectives. Like that could to- that would have totally worked too with with just having, you know, that one extra issue in play because to your point, like they just kind of go away and they're not fully paid off in my opinion and and their actions are really like you have to really jump to see why they would go to those extremes. They're very plot device. Like that's that's what they serve you know and it's like wonder woman too is kind of just a shame because it feels like they just wanted to get her in that cool like soviet design suit like <laughs> for the book or whatever you know it's like i don't know like it uh, i yeah i don't know i i do enjoy how she's how a uh, wonder woman in particular at least like i i do enjoy how she's used in the story pretty much up until the last issue like and and just on that note you know I should mention that I do really enjoy these like reimaginings of the Justice League cast like Batman. You know, we talked about obviously is like a standout. That design is super cool. <laughs> and like Green Lantern is like a very extreme version of Green Lantern. But I it works in the context of this story. You know, like, it, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I just wish that we had more of a characterization for particularly Lois and Diana. That's that's about like what I got, at least in terms of uh, overall thoughts on this one. Um, uh, anything else you were kind of chomping at the bit to add or anything like that? No, I mean, I'm pretty much covered everything that I had. Awesome. Awesome. Well, then it's time for the ultimate question. Marty, Superman Red Sun. Is this a pull or a drop for you? I mean, I think it was a good read. I'd pull it uh, to read it because I like the interpretation of it. Obviously, it has some downfalls and some, we'll call it funny moments because of plot devices yeah. that are, are laughable. <laughs> but I think, you know, art storytelling wise, it was it did a good a good job doing both of those things. It was definitely worth the read. And I thank you for recommending it. I always oh, enjoy dude. recommendations. Uh, and it was a even though it was my first Superman read, I, I enjoyed it. I don't I don't think it's a bad one just because, like I said, I, I think that 
Superman's like idealistic kind of moral high ground is still present in this story. You know, it's like you still you don't walk away from this story being like, wow, Superman was the worst, you know, <laughs> like it's like, no, it's it's it doesn't go full grim dark and like make you hate him or whatever. You know, it's it's just an interesting thought exercise more so. But yeah, um, uh, I, you know, I guess I should have added to on that point of with the whole Lois and Diana thing. I realized that this is Superman's book. So it's like it makes sense to stick with him the whole time. And like it's you could view it as like being his perspective. But like, like I said, just with some of the characterization, it seems a little careless in terms of Lois and Diana in particular, you know. And uh, but yeah, anyway, um, I guess there you have it, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you want to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash none of my friends like comics. A lot of new stuff on there. We're doing like movie commentaries and extra mini episodes and stuff now. So that's fun. You can follow the show on Twitter at no comic friends for updates. Email the show at none of my friends like comics at gmail.com. And if you mark it okay to air, we'll read it on the air. Uh, if you like the show, please tell your friends. We are on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. And Marty, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody again where they can find a panel to panel? Yeah, so we're we're on Twitter at panel to panel pod or on Instagram at panel to panel podcast. Uh, you can follow me at Marty Stoked. And one thing that we're doing um, with our with our crew is we're doing a P2P comics reading challenge. So you'll see myself and Bash. Um, we found this to be a great way to interact with people just to see what other people are reading. So with the hashtag um, P2P comics challenge, uh, you can you can start tagging and, and coming up with a goal. You know, everyone talks about reading more and wanting to get into comics and, oh, I really wish I read more last year. So, you know, we're following suit with a couple other folks that are doing the same thing just to try to get the community to read more and just to talk about things. And, you know, you never know what other people are reading unless you post about them. So, yeah. you know, it's always fun to follow along with that and see what other folks are reading and then, you know, ask, hey, how was that? Is that something that I can get into, you know, knowing stuff? And, and that's really what it's all about with just getting into comics in general is that jumping in point is the hardest to find. And we're trying to find avenues to get you guys to jump in because uh, it's a blast. Exactly. Yeah. That's just what we want more of is more people to be exposed to it, you know? And um, yeah, I always love enjoy. I, I always enjoy logging on and, and seeing, uh, seeing you guys' updates on your reading list and whatnot. It's a lot of fun. Like it just, just knowing what you guys are reading and I'm like, Oh yeah, I've read that or I haven't read that. And like, check that out, you know, whatever it's a, it's a good, it's a good tool to, to exercise, uh, you know, just figuring out like, oh, where should I go next in my in my reading journey? You know, so, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Well, Marty, I just want to say, uh, you know, thanks again for coming on, man. It was a blast. Um, uh, uh, we'll definitely have to do it again sometime soon. Um, uh, you know, or even 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 all you guys come on. I mean, like, I don't, you know, whatever you want to do, it'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. But yeah, totally, totally down. It was a blast. Thanks uh, for having me. Of course, man. Anytime, anytime. Well, yeah. Well, thanks again for listening, everybody, and uh, we will see you on the next page. Mm-hmm.